0: everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Today we wrap up our What is Church series by celebrating Pentecost. We go all the way back to the birth of the church and see how as the Holy Spirit inspired them? How might the Holy Spirit inspire us to reimagine the ways in which we can be church? Check out the sermon here. You know, a couple weeks ago, Uh, I was on the phone with a friend of mine who is pastoring a church on the East Coast. Uh, We try to check in about once a month, uh, updating each other about our lives and our families, uh, sharing our joys and our struggles around ministry, uh, bouncing ideas off of one another, encouraging each other in all that's happening, that all that comes in life. Now, I remember this conversation in particular because it was a Thursday afternoon, about two o'clock our time here on the East Coast, five o'clock his time uh, on, the, or on the West Coast, five o'clock his time on the East Coast, and, and, and he says to me, he says, hey, real quick, uh, I need to leave in about half an hour. I'm headed to church tonight. And I, at first, I didn't think too much about it, but then I remembered, wait a second, it's a Thursday at five o'clock. I said, what do you have tonight? You don't usually have anything on Thursdays. And he said, oh, I'm not headed to the building. Uh, we're going to the bar for pints and parables. I was like, wow, it's a new ministry that they had started uh, coming out of COVID when uh, after the shutdown. They, they, they recognized that people were craving community, but not necessarily on Sunday mornings. And they recognized that people were craving community, but not necessarily at the building they call church. So he went on to say that he's calling it church, he's making an intentional decision to name it over and over and over as church, not as Pints and Parables, not as a uh, small group, not as pub ministry. He's calling it church because he needs to be reminded that when people are gathered in God's name, that's where church is. Right? Many of you have heard me say that the definition of church is this, right? Biblical communities of worship gathered and sent. Biblical communities, it, it, it talks about uh, communities of people connected by the story of God's faithfulness throughout Scripture. And then worship, right, describing how we connect to God today through prayer, through song, through lament, through joy, uh, gathered, right, together, gathered in community, and then sent, sent out for the sake of the world, for the sake of God's future, for the beloved community, uh, the, the, the hope of what we wish to live into today. So why couldn't church be at a coffee shop or at a bar? Why why wouldn't it be in a coffee shop, in a bar, or in any of the places where people gather? Perhaps this moment in time requires a new imagination in the life of the church. And that's what we've been doing, right? These past two weeks, we've been talking about what is church. We, we've looked at the vision of the future in the writings of John and Revelation, and, and today we, we go back to uh, the, what's considered the beginning of the church in Acts. In our text, we, we find that the followers of Jesus, they're, they're gathered together in one place where when from heaven comes down this a loud rush of a violent wind and divided tongues like fire resting on each of them. It's the day of Pentecost. It simply means the 50th day from Easter Sunday. And these followers, they're, they're so filled with the Holy Spirit that they begin to speak in different languages. And the crowd hears Right, This crowd that is made up of Jews and peoples from every nation under heaven. They're in Jerusalem. They hear the sound of the rush of the violent wind. And now they hear these rural, uneducated, working-class folks speaking in all their own languages. And it's in their own language that they can hear Of God's awesome work. And just like that, these these barriers are broken. Lives are connected. Community is created. People and stories that were once separated by borders and by cultures and by experiences are now joined together in a way that was not the case before. Theologian Willie James Jennings, he he puts it this way, he says, The Spirit creates joining. The followers of Jesus are now being connected in a way that joins them to people in the most intimate space, and it is language that runs through. To speak a language is to speak a people. You see, for Jennings, and I, I think for us this morning, the miracle of Pentecost is not that people could hear the gospel in their own language. The miracle of Pentecost is that these early followers were so filled with the Holy Spirit that they could speak in other languages. I don't know, have you ever visited a place, a different country or a different community where your first language was not spoken? Uh, maybe you've experienced that moment of joy when you hear someone in a crowd say something in that language, or, or you see a sign in your language and you can actually read it, right? Or, or, or maybe you've seen that smile of someone light up on their face when, when you try to speak to someone who's, who's trying to find their way in our communities, trying to navigate English, and you might know a little bit of their language to kind of embrace them in that verbal hug. I remember one time I was a chaplain. I was at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I was was responding to this call. A a patient was uh, brought in, a Latino, male, mid-30s, unresponsive after a serious car accident. And I I remember checking in with the staff for any other information before I went to be with his mother who was uh, waiting for him to come out of surgery. So I walk over, I say, hello, I'm, I'm, I'm Joe. I'm one of the chaplains here. She looks at me, but she doesn't respond. Well, well I'm here to hop, offer you any support or anything you need. She keeps looking at me, but there's no response. So I said, hold on. And I go back to the staff, and I'm like, what, what, what is going on? And they said that uh, they hadn't been able to communicate with her, and they thought that language might be a barrier, to which I said, yeah, that would have helped before I got there. <laughs> so I go back to her. And I don't know, out of nowhere, I just kind of blurred out, hola, uh, me amo Joe, uh, soy un pastor, uh, vamos a orar, right? Hi, uh, my name is Joe, uh, I'm, I'm a pastor, uh, let's pray. I held her hand and I prayed. In English, I prayed in English. And I kind of got the sense that she was praying with me. She was there. She would offer these words of amen. She would offer these words of uh, si, senor, yes. Yes, Lord. Uh, uh, Dios, por favor, right? Por favor, Dios. like for, Please, God. She's pleading. And as we started wrapping up, I, 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 I said the words, uh, Padre Nuestro, right? Like uh, our father. And I went into the Lord's prayer in English, and she joined in in Spanish. There's something powerful about language. There's something powerful about the words we use to speak to one another, it it, it has the power to tear down, to alienate, to dehumanize. You're ugly, you're stupid, you're worthless, you're useless, you're dead to me, I hate you. But language also has the power to unite, to to heal, to break free of the societal standards and expectations, to, to give life. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are beloved. God loves you. I'm sorry. Thank you. Please forgive me. I forgive you. I love you. To speak a language is to speak. A people. But what I love most about this Pentecost story is this. They're speaking in the languages. And you know what they do with this gift? Do you know what they do with this new power to connect through language, with this ability to speak to one another? They simply do life. They get together. They hang out. They make all things common. They sell their stuff. So that they can support one another, that they can care for one another. They eat together. They overcame the barriers and they connected. They rejected society's impulse to be separated and they created community. They resisted the ways of the world that told them that they were better off alone and they came together and they ate. With glad and generous hearts they ate. You know, I I think Luke, who's who's the author of our our text, he, he understood something about biology as he was writing because he could have simply said that they broke bread at home and ate together. Right, that, that in and of itself would have been countercultural and revolutionary, right? That they got together, that they chose to eat together regularly. That's revolutionary in and of itself. But he goes further, he says, they broke bread at home and they ate together with glad and generous hearts. I don't know about you, but, but the times that I have had the worst indigestion is when I'm eating angry, when I'm eating sad, after a fight, after receiving bad news, if I try to eat and force food down, glad and generous hearts. In a few moments, we're going we're gonna to come to the table together. We're going we're to eat a meal. We're going to share in the table together. But I got to confess that I don't feel glad these days. War and conflict around the world, in, in Ukraine in Yemen and other places, human rights violations and election discrepancies and extrajudicial killings in the Philippines and beyond, increases in deaths by suicide, racially motivated killings, hate crimes, worsening climate change, a rise in homelessness and houselessness, Buffalo, New York, Irvine, California, Uvalde, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, a grocery store, a church, a school, a hospital, and many more. I don't know about you, but my heart is not right. It's not right at the conditions of the world, and frankly, my heart is not right in my own complicity in the injustices and brokenness of our world. So I don't know if I can, on my own, come with a glad and generous heart. But I have to choose to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that that came upon those early followers and now comes upon us to, to challenge the ways of the world, to choose to do life with that glad and generous heart, to feast in that holy and sacred meal together. So I need to pray. I need to confess. I need to break my heart for what breaks God's. You know, I was preparing for for today, um, and I I was talking to a friend, uh, we were talking uh, yesterday I think, and uh, she was asking me, uh, you know, oh, tomorrow's communion, you know, what are you guys doing? And I was telling her about the liturgy, and we're going to, you know, go through these words and it's going to be awesome. And she goes, where's the confession? If you look in our uh, our hymnals and if you look in the United Methodist liturgy it, it starts with a confession. It starts with naming the brokenness, naming our own brokenness before we get to the table so that we can be free to be together. We can approach the table with glad and generous hearts. When do we confess? When do we share? When do we ask for forgiveness? There's the act of humbling ourselves to come to the table together, to claim that it's not about me, that it's about the us, to confess, to share in the brokenness, to share in the healing, and to know that when we come to the table, we come right with God. So this morning, I want to invite you into this time of prayer. I'm just going to read this prayer of confession. It's, it's, it's in our uh, hymnals. Um, I'm going to, for the sake of all of our sakes, for the sake of our world. Hear these words. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Y'all, there's good news. The good news is that God spoke us. That Jesus spoke us that the Holy Spirit continues to speak us, to to shower us with the abundance of God's love and God's forgiveness as we declare to ourselves and to the world and to God that we are not there yet, but we will try. We will try so that we can come to the table with glad and generous hearts together as community, that we can claim that society will not keep its grips on us that we will break free and that we will choose to do life together amen all right so that was our last sermon of the what is church series uh we really hope that this uh, series uh invited you and encouraged you to reimagine the ways in which we can be church to celebrate and to be part of something new um at Bothell we invited people to really prioritize connection this week to check in one on one another and to uh, share a joy that they have throughout the week we hope you'll do the same Uh, have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you next time as we launch a new series uh, still one small thing we'll catch you then